Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with myself, your host, Edgar De Jesus. And yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy, Nicholas. Today, we're answering your questions that you've sent in via poolnation.com. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk, and we ain't talking about netting and jetting and splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. But before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, PoolInvoice.com, Blue Ray XL, Aquastar Pool Products, and Pivot Pool Products. We want to thank them for their continued support. Zach, good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm feeling good. The temperature here in Houston has actually come down a little bit this week, so it's been really nice to kind of get a break from the heat and enjoy that. Other than that, everything as well. That's awesome. John, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well. Quite the opposite from, from Zach. Not as far as like how I'm feeling, but as far as temperature. It seems like someone turned up the heat over here. And uh, it's been, it's kind of brutal. We're like at 115, 117 right now and just finished doing a couple of repair jobs. And boy, it was, uh, it was something else. You know, I've been through many summers, right? Working out in the heat. It's just something you just can't get used to, right? And today was just, I don't know what the hell I was doing out there. Kind of, I felt like, why am I doing this? But I'm literally installing a pump got my head down and I am just it as if someone had a bottle of water and was pouring it down the back of my head right and it was I mean I was just soaked it was unbelievable it is hot as hell and I'm just glad to be at home AC at 70 degrees on the podcast with my two boys getting ready to talk about some some fun stuff so let's rock and roll uh, just to let you know, Zach, the devil moved away from where John's at because it's so fucking hot out there. So freaking hot. Oh, sorry. I was like, damn. <laughs> the devil moved out of there because it's so hot. It is. It's just too crazy down there. And it was humid as hell, too. Yeah. All right, guys, we are going to continue with the podcast. If you guys have any questions that you want answered, do what you do. Go to poolnation.com. Hit that submit question button and we will answer those questions for you. The other thing that we want to talk about is that the Pool Nation Awards will be held November 16th at the International Pool and Spa Show. 
and nominations are open. So go to poolnationawards.com and submit your nominations. And we will do a quick rundown of all the categories that are open for the awards. First up is Variable Speed Pump of the Year, Best Residential Filter of the Year, Automation of the Year, Innovative Product or Innovative Product of the Year, Salt System of the Year. And then we have Best Value Automation, Favorite Net, Favorite Test Kit, Best Truck Wrap, Builder of the Year, Distributor of the Year, and Sales Rep of the Year. Then we have Favorite Pullback System, Hero of the Year, Pool Guy of the Year, Pool Girl of the Year, the Bob Lowry Lifetime Achievement Award. We have a 30 Under 40 Rookie of the Year. We'll have a second 30 Under 40 Rookie of the Year. We have a Hardscape Landscape Builder, Pool Company of the Year, 250 pools or less. We have Pool Cleaner Suction Side. We have Heat Pump of the Year. And then we have the John, Zach, and Edgar Award. The other thing that we wanted to announce is that we're going to be doing an in-person business training with the Pool Girl Training. We partnered with them, and that's going to be held in Dallas on Saturday, September 24th from 10 to 6. That's the one that we just did, but we're going to do one just for the Pool Girls. And this one's going to be a little bit different because we've partnered with Kelly from the Pool Girls Training. And the other thing that's going to happen is we are going to be adding some training and networking for the pool girls in the industry. And that part, the networking part is going to be held the 23rd of September. We're going to have some speakers, a Q&A session, and a big networking event for all the women that go to that event. We're going to have three different sessions in there with three people talking. One of them will be Jamie Novak from Aquastar. She'll be doing a training on sheer determination a personal branding and leadership class for women. So we've turned up the notch on the networking side. So if you want any information, you can go to poolnation.com, go to the Pool Nation business, financial business training button, and you can see the details there and register. And then we're going to have some details coming out soon. And that's after I come back from vacation, John and Zach. We'll have some <laughs> information out for the networking side of it because we're getting a lot of traction on that side. So super excited all about all that. All right, guys, let's do a quick dive because we're a little short on time today. And the very first question, and this is going to be interesting because we threw a curveball to Zach here. I sent him a script. I botched it all up. I sent them the wrong one. They were looking at me like, dude, like, what the hell? You sent the same script twice. So Zach hasn't even seen any of the questions. So John, should we make him answer first or should we give him a little leeway by you answering the question and then oh no oh no oh no we need to let him i'm ready wait which way are we going let him go first we have to have him answer first oh absolutely he can do it i think he's gonna be pleasantly surprised that he can do it Edgar's trying to make me look bad <laughs> all right here we go you guys talk about putting policies and procedures in place what is the best way to do that I currently don't have anything in place. And I guess it can be overwhelming, Zach, if you don't have anything and you're in a spot where you need to put some policies and procedures in place. Yeah. What would you say? Well, and I think that's just it. I think in the beginning, people tend to kind of overthink it. And what I would say is to start small and build on it. You need to make sure that when you're putting a process or a policy in place that you're 
building it in a way that you can successfully stick to it. And you don't want to put something that's very complex right out of the gate that, you know, maybe you're gung-ho about it. And for the first little bit, you're sticking to it, but then you start to fall off and you stop following that process. So if I were just starting out on creating these, what I would do and kind of how I did it is I took a look at everything that we already had going on. And I tried to find areas to where we could create more consistency with whatever we were already doing. And to kind of give an example of that, one of the simplest things you can start with is just setting a start time every day. Setting some, we do business Monday through Friday, we start at 7 a.m., Saturdays or whatever. You just set that and then you stick to it. You could create a step process for how you do your maintenance service. These are the steps. We walk in the backyard, we start here, we move to here, we do this, then we do that. Um, Kind of like a checklist almost. And as you get through that checklist and you complete it, now the service has been done successfully. And that is literally creating a process. And in my mind, processes and policies or processes and procedures, whatever we're talking about, they're created to create consistency with whatever it is you're doing to create consistency so that you can replicate the service or your customer service or whatever, your branding message in the same way over time in a way that's successful. So for me, don't overthink it in the beginning, start small and then kind of build on that. Along the line of what Zach is saying, and I'll take it a little further in a couple different portions of it, but I read this question and I hear this question and I'm thinking, okay, obviously you've, you've been in business. You have, I would imagine, some employees, and if you're if you don't have any policies or procedures in place, then that's a definite. I wouldn't say red flag, but it's something that you need to bring attention to right now and fix. Like Zach was saying, is you know the first thing you want to do. I mean, who knows what got you to that point where you had an epiphany and said, "Hey, you know, shit was just like crumbling, or it was just chaos, or you just got frustrated because." something keeps happening and and whatever it may be, that light bulb went off and said, hey, look, I need to get my shit together and I need to figure out, I got to put some policies in place and I need to come up with some procedures. The first thing you don't want to do is go from zero to a hundred. You need to start, you need baby steps. And for a couple of reasons is, and it's as simple as like what Zach was saying, if it's start time, attendance, dress code, it could be a number of different things, but whatever it is, you want to start small. And the reason being is one, you want whatever, obviously this isn't something that you're used to doing and it's probably not your strong suit. I'm going out on the limb here. So if you overcomplicate it or if you make it too difficult to do or follow through on, you're just going to set yourself up for failure immediately until you start reaping the benefits from structure. When you start reaping the benefits from having, you know, running a tight ship, uh, you won't quite see the positive from it yet, right? takes a little while. So what you want to do is you set these goals up small, make them attainable and make them nice and easy. But most importantly, you want to communicate it with obviously yourself and anybody else that it affects. And you want to come up with clear expectations of what's going to be expected moving forward. And then second, you need to prepare yourself to hold people and yourself accountable to those new policies and procedures. Because if you do not, I promise you, you're going to be in a worse position than you were when you first started. 
Because the last thing you want to do is is say you're going to do something and then not do it. It goes the same way when it comes down to a client, when it comes down to your family, when it comes down to your loved ones, when it comes down to yourself, when it comes down to your employees especially. So whatever it may be, set it small, build from there, make clear expectations and make sure they have understanding. And then from that point on, just make sure you hold yourself and them accountable to it. Once you've accomplished that, then you start adding a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Just like when you do business plans or when you're doing goals and you're setting goals up for yourself, you don't want to set yourself up for failure. You want to make small attainable goals that can be met in the near future. So that's what I would suggest. Yeah. I, I mean, for me to say anything else, we're pretty much repeating what you guys are saying, you know, definitely start small, maybe start looking at what some of your biggest problems are and start working with those and implementing policies for those. All right. Next question. And this one I kept just like this. So I could brag about this a little bit because he said, hello, Mr. Edgar. You didn't get the, hey, John, or the, hey, Zach, like normally I get. Mr. Edgar. You know that got changed. I got the, hello, Mr. Edgar. So he either listens to, I, he listens to our podcast. So I know he's probably kind of going at like, let me throw Edgar a bone here so he doesn't feel too bad. So. So he goes, hello, Mr. Edgar. Thank you again for everything that you do, sir. I do want to request a question. If we have employees, but we only get paid for 48 weeks, how do we go about it with the employees? We were thinking two weeks paid vacation and two weeks unpaid vacation, to be fair, but wanted to ask you guys your thoughts. Thanks in advance. You got to go, Zach, or you want me to go? Sure. I mean, I'll take a stab at it. I don't really follow the question 100%, but they're billing for 48 weeks and then they're concerned about what to do with the employees for 52 weeks. I think that's kind of similar to what we have going on. And so I think the two weeks paid vacation, two weeks unpaid vacation would be fine. We don't, I don't know. I I guess I don't know on that one. John, let's hear your take on it. Now, what is it that you do, Zach? Let me ask you this. So you do two weeks paid vacation and then everybody works the rest of the weeks? So we have two weeks paid vacation after a certain amount of time that goes into effect. But we also take it a, a full week off for Christmas week, but we still pay for that week. So that's a paid week off. We have 11 holidays in total paid holidays for our employees minus the two weeks that they get after that certain period of time. Four weeks is a lot of vacation, okay, for you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to have. And the reality is any usual W-2 job or any business that you go to, uh, once you become a full-time employee, you work up to getting vacation time. And usually you get, what, two weeks paid off vacation. And then as you grow with the company, you start off with one week and then you move up from there. Or if you guys want to do two weeks, usually Thanksgiving week, you, you want to give them time with their family and you... Christmas week. After that, I would use that. I I would move up and say, hey, look, as you stay with the company and as you grow with us, you build X amount of time. After three years, you get an additional week. After four years, you get an whatever. Five years, you get an additional week, however it may work. As far as how you come up with the funds to pay for it, that's a different story. You bill for 48 weeks, but the reality is this. Whatever you're charging all this should be taken into consideration when you're billing or when you're pricing out a home. You shouldn't price out the home according to 48 weeks or according to this or that and not taking into consideration all the other expenses you have. And that's why it's so important to understand your business, understand your numbers, 
you know, and we've been preaching about this for years, is that this is a type of shit that you have to take into consideration and you have to put this down as expenses, just like you would uniforms or you would your truck payment. If you're renting out a building, chemicals, all that stuff needs to come into play. And then you base your monthly fee off of that so that you have those funds available and you can put that money aside, like create like, you know, a separate bank account and, you know, hey, I need to put away, you know, half a percent of my income or a percent of my income for the month or two, whatever, however it is in a bank account, because that's what I'm going to use to pay for sick pay so that I'm not taking it out of the much needed capital or I'm not spending money that I don't have. So as far as how to pay for it, that's exactly what you need to do. How much time you give, that's up to you also. Four weeks, you know, four weeks vacation for anybody just starting is a lot. And maybe I'm wrong or I might seem like a, like a Scrooge or something, but I shit, dude, that's a lot. There is no part-time employee or even full-time employees in, in corporate America that get hired on and get four weeks worth of vacation. That's a lot, especially paid. Two weeks vacation is awesome. And normally you don't get vacation unless you're a full-time employee either. So there's a lot to unpack there and it kind of just depends on your business and your current situation. But as far as how to finance it, that should already be paid for. You just have to determine how much you're going to give them, what you're going to pay them. And then you need to now moving forward when you're pricing out your pools or when you're doing increases in your annual increases or, or semi-annual increases or every other year increases, you need to compensate. You need to add an additional amount to help compensate for that increase in cost. And I want to circle back because I guess I misunderstood, but I'm in 100% agreement. And that's exactly what we do. I don't think about it 48 weeks, 52 weeks like that. We look at what our numbers need to be in order to sustain that. And as far as now I'm reading it, the unpaid vacation, we don't do unpaid vacation because most of our people wouldn't want to take unpaid vacation. They want to make sure that they're getting a paycheck. They want to be able to pay their bills. So we don't even factor something like an unpaid vacation into that. Yeah, but they should have personal time, you know, personal time off, sick pay also, stuff like that should be there. Yeah, absolutely. And that'll help eat up that extra week or whatever. If you're going to give them two weeks and then you want to pay for another week, you're the one paying for the personal time and you're the one paying for the sick pay. So maybe whatever, two weeks and then maybe add a week of that. And then I'd forget about the the fourth week. Yeah, I think it's important to make sure that you know your numbers. And you know, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions in our industry is that we figure out, oh, okay, we bill 48 weeks, we bill this, we bill that. But you know, as you start to grow, you really need to know your numbers. What I used to do is I used to do three weeks paid vacation to the guys. We always used to take three separate weeks. It was the week of Thanksgiving, the week of Christmas, and the week of spring break. And we were all off those three weeks. Um, and you can use that as a tool to attract people because in most places, they're only going to get two weeks vacation, but you're giving them three weeks vacation, right? So that becomes a little bit more attractive. And the other thing for my guys is they got paid every week. So they got three weeks vacation. They're getting paid every week. You know, that will give you a little bit of an advantage. So when you look at it from the 48-week standpoint, you kind of can't look at it that way. And Zach, what's the number? 4.33 if you were going to grab the rate and consider it for 52 weeks, right? So you could grab your rate. You could figure it out to 4.33. That'll give you a total. And then what you can do is grab that number and divide it into 12. And that'll give you what the monthly for the 12 is considering those four weeks. Now you're charging the customers for those weeks and then you're able to 
pay your employees for those weeks. So anyways, I hope that answers the question there. You know, the challenge is every business is different. What you need to figure out is what works best in your business setup and then choose from there. Guys, let's do this really quick. Let's take a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we will continue. The SPPA is dedicated to the niche general liability insurance needs of pool and spa professionals. As industry leaders, we'll fight for you, protect you, and be there for you. We provide extraordinary service before and after the membership and insurance is in effect. Insured members of the program get the best customer support and have peace of mind that their alliance is their voice and always fighting for their program and insurance needs. We proudly insure thousands of pool and spa professionals across the United States. With over 30 years encompassing the pool and spa industry, we know the needs of pool and spa professionals. Through the SPPA program, there are three tailored and customized general liability insurance options to pick from. For more information on our programs and insurance options, visit our site at www.thesppa.com. The sound of you continually pitching pool care poles into the trash. The sound of you using an Ultimate Pool Tools carbon fiber pool care pole for years to come. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at blu-rayxl.com. Blu-ray all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with Zach. We continue our conversation with John. We continue to answer your business questions. And Zach, let me jump into the next question. And that is, I am looking to bring on my first service manager. 
Can you guys give me some ideas as to what some of the responsibilities should be for that person or role? So I think it really depends on what your definition or idea of a service manager is. I know different people kind of have a different vision for that role, but my idea of a service manager is a high-level position that has the bulk of the responsibilities of managing the service department. And I feel like this person would be involved with the hiring and onboarding. Maybe they're involved in some of the interview process, getting to know the candidates, things like that. Maybe having an opportunity to weigh in on which candidate to move forward with. I feel like this person would also be responsible for communicating with maintenance customers regarding their service and service-related issues. So any issues that the techs are bringing to their attention that they're running into or needs to be done, this person is the one that's going to take the ball and run with it and make sure that everything is handled. They're going to be accountable for making sure that that customer is taken care of all the way through from start to finish. And then from the customer side, they would also, on the flip side of that, be communicating with the technicians regarding daily tasks, issues they may be experiencing in the field, as well as like customer requests, you know, make sure to do this at Mrs. Jones house, whatever, and just managing that thing on top of it, as well as any coachings and disciplinary actions that may come up. And then on top of that, just making sure that techs have everything they need to successfully complete the job, you know, as far as tools, supplies, chemicals, vehicle maintenance, things like that. I'm sure I'm missing a ton of things, but that's kind of a start to what I see as a service manager. They're going to be that very high level person that is managing the overall department. Yeah, no, I I agree with Zach 100%. Service manager is going to be your right-hand man or woman that is pretty much almost like second in command. So you got to remember a service manager, in my eyes, they're going to take on a lot of the responsibilities that you as an owner did. And we're not talking about just physical work, but we're talking about managing your day-to-day operation when it comes down to your clients. So service manager is going to obviously, in my opinion, is going to handle all the maintenance, technicians, all the repairs. They are definitely going to be a part of training. They're going to be your go-to trainer, the ones that are going to be training based off of your expectations and what you want them to do, right? So they're going to be the one that your technicians that are out in the field are going to contact unless there's another, like a lead tech that you have below the service manager. But they're going to be the filter between you and your other technicians or people that are working for you out in the field. Now, just based or depending on how big your operation is, then you can expand from there and you might have a customer service manager, you might have HR, there's a bunch of other things that you can add, but a service manager pretty much encompasses everything that we do. They should be your go-to person that handles 99% of all the issues and the day-to-day operations at your business. The other 1% or 2% that needs your approval, uh, especially when it comes down to the final decision of hiring, uh, decisions of firing, any compensation decisions are not going to be in there. I mean, they'll have an opinion, but they're not the the final say-so for it. But everything else, um, they're pretty much going to handle and take care of for you. That's a very big position. I would also, before I hired a, a service manager, or if I hired a service manager, I would also like, I would hire people in between, like I was kind of talking about, like a lead technician or a senior position so that they have somebody they can delegate to because it's a lot of responsibility 
for that position. And there also needs to be a filter between your technicians that are out servicing the pools and your service manager too, because they can't be inundated with a bunch of things constantly. It kind of slows them down a little bit and having somebody or them having a right-hand man or women, a woman to help them out would be ideal. Yeah, to me, I think of it, once you go to hire that service manager, one of the things that I always talk about is you kind of taking off some hats, right? And you, as a business owner, you own all these hats. And in order to continue to grow, you have to start to hand those hats over to other people. And a service manager, to me, would be one of those where you take that hat off and you give it to somebody else and you have to make them responsible for that entire process. So that you now in, in turn can kind of start to take a step back and manage that person. You know, your job is to make sure that that person is doing what your expectation is as that service manager. But like John and Zach are saying, that person now has to become the main person when it comes to, you know, the hiring and managing of all those people. And it's their responsibility. So you know, somebody doesn't show up to work, it's not now that you need to step in and kind of go, well, let me fix the problem. It has to be, you have a service manager, they should be coming to you with a solution and what's going to happen, and it should fall on them. All right, next question. Zach and company, at what point in your journey did you guys create your first business plan? Zach, I'm going to let you jump in. So I was told, same as everyone else, from day one that you've got to have a business plan. That's like the first thing. You got to have a business plan. You got to have a plan. And even though I agree 100% and have recommended on numerous occasions that everyone have some sort of plan in place from the beginning, I didn't have an actual documented plan in hand for many, many years. And it took me going through multiple programs that taught business owners how to build you know, a growth plan or a strategic action plan or a business plan or any number of these plans before I actually had something to be able to run off of. And what it is, is it's a living document. So as the business grows and as the business evolves and changes, you have to make sure that your plan evolves and changes with the business. You need to make sure that you're reviewing this on a, like an annual basis and updating it, making changes. And the sooner you can get something like this in place, like I said, it took me many years. The sooner you can get it in place, the sooner you will be laser focused and have that plan, that growth path. Like we talked about the analogy with the airplane and the gauges and having a direction to your destination. That's what that plan is. The sooner you have it in place, I feel like, you know, you'll be steps ahead of the competition as far as growth and, and direction. But to answer the question, it took me many years of going through that practice to actually have something usable. I think we confuse a piece of paper with a business plan. And then that's necessarily what it is, right? You know, you kind of write down your thoughts and your goals, but. To be honest, anybody who's in business or anybody decided to start a business or is doing something or who's who's actually in a business has a plan. You just don't say, I'm going to clean pools and make money. You know, it's not like I do pools, make money, and that's it. And you know what? If you want to be 100% honest, that's a business plan, right? Is it a very good one? Probably not, you know? But the truth is, we all have a plan, and that's why we started this business, and that's why we started this company. We have a plan. When did I first create one? Immediately. Uh, white, And it was on a white, dry erase board. It was in my head, and I said, okay, this is what I wanted to do. And I, I remember clearly the day, and I was just doing figures in my mind, and I'm thinking, 
100 clients at this price, this is not how much I'm making, da 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 put it all in my head, thinking, okay, how's it going to work? How long is it going to take me to, to achieve five clients, my first client, 10 clients, 20 clients, whatever, those types of things? Wrote it down, put it on a, on a piece of paper, put it on a board and said, this, these are my goals, my short-term goals in one month. I need to have this completed. I want my website completed. I want my uniforms, my logo, this, that, whatever, whatever, whatever. This is what I need to do in two months. I'm going to have my business line. I'm going to open the website's going to go live or whatever. And that's exactly how I did it chronologically. And, and I figured out, and I said, these are my goals and this is what I'm going to do. And by six months or by a year, because it took me a year before I even opened up my website or put it live or started accepting calls, or even though my business was already started, I was working on it practically 24 seven for a year before I decided to turn on my phone and actually take a client. Throughout that process, I was going, I was hitting it. I need to hit this. I need to hit this. I need to hit that. I need to hit that. So as far as a plan, don't overcomplicate it, right? This, you're not necessarily going to a, you know, going to a bank for a loan and then you're going to want to see a business plan and something all nice and pretty and put up, which is all bullshit anyways, right? You just need to put your thoughts and your dreams and your goals and just make sure they're realistic and be realistic with them and put them on paper, just as simple as that. And then put it somewhere where it's visible. I prefer throwing it on a board, on the wall, somewhere where you're walking and you're looking at every single day to remind you, this is what needs to get done. This is what I need to do. As soon as you do that, trust me, you, you will be in a much better position than, than a lot of people because you will be guided. You know, you're not just going to be, you can run around, you can be the fastest runner in the world, but if you can't run straight, you're never going to win a race. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It just matters that you're moving in the right direction, right? And whether it's one step at a time or a giant leap at a time, doesn't really matter. You need to be guided. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself spinning your wheels, moving backwards, getting frustrated, right? Or even giving up, worst case scenario. Hopefully that answers that. I was laughing because I think your description is literally mine and Justin's business plan for like the first four years was just, we're going to do pools and make money and get Slim Jims and gas and go do it again. And then (laughs) one day it was like, this isn't working. Like, it's got to be more than this. You know, I think the biggest thing is that people think that a business plan needs to be this big 50-page document that everybody talks about, right? Like when you start talking about wanting to build a Fortune 500 company and it's got to be this 350-page document that outlines every single aspect of it. And it really doesn't. I mean, a business plan for for starting your business just really needs to be that piece that it starts to shape who you are and who you want to be. You know, like John says, what are your dreams, your aspirations, your goals? And as you put them in writing, you start to see where you are and where you want to be and the things that you need to be doing in order to be able to accomplish that. So, you know, I really think that from day one, you need to start doing something and it's a learning curve, just like everything else, right? Eventually you'll have a great business plan. You need to start working on it even if it's just this notepad that you have and, you know, three years later, you've continued to build on it. And then you look back and you laugh at the first one that you put together, kind of going, oh my God, look at that first one, right? It's a journey. You're never going to have the knowledge right off the bat if you haven't built one as to what it is that it needs to be. So, you know, get out there, put on paper. And the biggest thing is, you know, kind of write down where you are and where you want to be a year from now and start working on 
that business plan in order to achieve those goals so that a year from now you are where you're saying that you want to be. You can't just throw it in the drawer and wait for a year and then look at it back and go, oh, what did I do? What, I, what did I not do? So I think that's the important part. I think it's great that you're you know looking at it and wanting to get that business plan going because that will really help and shape your company. Guys, let's do this. Let's take a quick word from our sponsors. When we come back, Zach, John, I want to get your final thoughts. The HyperPole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with Zach and John on the podcast. We are answering all the business questions. And we have a second podcast that we want to do. The second podcast jumps into a lot of water chemistry questions. So guys, what I'd like to do is I think we should get your final thoughts on the business questions here, and then we will do that part two with regards to all the water chemistry. So Zach, so that we don't lose what we normally do, let's start with you. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, I think the main thing is, is, is like John said, like don't overcomplicate it. 
You have to start small, right? Just getting something, whether it's the business plan, whether it's process, policy, procedure, whatever it is, just get something going. Um, And then as you grow, you can start to build on that and it will become more complex, but you'll be experienced and you'll have that experience in starting to put these things in place, create that consistency with your business and create that plan to move forward. So I think it's really good that people are thinking about these things so early on. Because like I said, it took me and Justin years and years of doing the same thing day after day after day. It's like the definition of crazy, like doing the same thing over, expecting different results. And then one day it finally clicked. But these things are all very important in growing a successful company. So I think this is a really good conversation. How cool is it? And I've said this a hundred times, and I know I've said I've said this a hundred times, but as we see, as we keep going down this journey and, and over the years, as we're doing these podcasts and these Instagram lives, just seeing how these questions have evolved and the types of questions that are being asked now, right, are some really good stuff. These are the thought provoking. These are the real nuts and bolts of running a business. And I'm just excited as hell to hear everybody out there thinking about that. Because I remember when we first started, the questions were not that there's a stupid question out there, but the questions were very basic. And I don't know whether it was because maybe people now feel a little bit more comfortable uh, doing what they're doing and asking these types of questions and that whole stigma of like, you know, I don't want to discuss my business with with someone else or uh, who knows whatever it is. Or people, hopefully, what I'm hoping for, what I'm thinking it is that more people are in tune with the reality of running a business. And it's not just, I'm a clean pools, make money, right? It, it doesn't work that way. And it might at first a little bit, but I promise you, you won't make money if that's all you got going on. So you got to put your business hat on and you have to have to treat your company like a corporation, like a business. And these questions, just like I'm saying, are, are just pretty badass and I love answering them. And hopefully we answered them enough or, or well enough to where you guys can take it, take it back and actually make some actionables out of it, do something with it. But the bottom line is don't overcomplicate it, but don't underestimate it. Well, that's, a cool, that's a catchy little saying there. You like that, right? Don't overcomplicate it. At the same time, don't underestimate it. This shit's real important. Business plan is probably one of the most important things you can have for your company. I like to say goals, business plan and goals go hand in hand. That's what it is. Goals that you need to set forth are very important. So other than that, have a wonderful night till next time. I agree. You know, I love that people are getting really comfortable and asking a lot of these questions. You know, that's, that's huge. Cause you know, we all had those questions when we were starting and we didn't know where to go and where to ask those questions. And a lot of times we went places, at least I went places, and I was afraid to ask some of these questions. And I'd be with a whole bunch of people and just kind of would just stay quiet. So anyways, all right, gentlemen, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, guys, I will be probably on a beach somewhere kind of enjoying, you know, just kind of throw it in here just, you know, as I, you know, go into the my final thoughts there. But Anyways, I hope everybody has a great week and we will catch you guys uh, when we come back from vacation on the Instagram live. We'll talk then. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great one. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. 
You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for, PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry, a pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com.